This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. So good evening if you're watching along live. Our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make the show each week. So thank you as always. Uh, Coming up on the podcast, a third defeat in four for Saints. Millwall winning 2-1 at St Mary's. We'll try and work out what's gone wrong lately. At Wednesday is a trip to Liverpool in the FA Cup. An unwanted distraction from the league? Maybe. We're going to preview that game shortly. And it's a trip to 18th place Birmingham City on Saturday. Surely a chance to get back to winning ways. I mean, we said that last week, didn't we? So who knows? My name is Martin Stark and joining me this evening is Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour, writer of the blog League One Minus 10, and making his TSP debut, Tom Pranky, a freelance football writer covering Southampton. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 267 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now we start as always with the shout out to our Patreon community because their monthly contributions support this show. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has perks like access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's exclusive TSP t-shirts, the TSP FPL, and you get access to some of the live events and loads more as well. Earlier this month, we launched the New Look TSP shop. Patreons get a special personal discount code on there. We're adding lines all the time and this week we launched the ladies collection there's a great selection of hoodies t-shirts and mugs on there if you want to go and check it out the address is shop.totalsaints.co.uk and if you'd like to get involved in supporting tsp each month just head over to patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast for more details all the links are in the podcast show notes and the youtube description 
Now, some sad news today that former Saints player and manager Chris Nichol has passed away. The 77-year-old former centre-back made 228 appearances for Saints. He was the manager from 1985 to 1991, giving many Saints supporters some great memories. For me, manager, for my first visit to the Dell. Glenn, you remember him as a player. I do. I remember signing him. In I think it was 1977. It was after the cup final and Lauren McMenemy kind of instigated this policy. We kind of had this policy anyway, but we were signing players who were seen as over the hill by everybody else. And the idea was to get a couple more years out of them and, and uh, take the most, make the most out of their experience. And what we got with Chris Nichol was, uh, I think he was about 30. Uh, he was a Northern Ireland international, which back then was was a big deal. You know, we had the home international championships and, uh, you know, it was a big deal to sign a player who was, you know, we were in Division 2 as was, the championship now. Um, to sign an international player was, was a big deal. Um, and we got promoted in his first season um, and he stayed for a further five years after that. I think the last one was um, very injury uh, interrupted when he was 36, 35, 36, but... For four or five years, he, um, as we established ourselves in the in the top division, he was uh, a mainstay of the defence. Particularly, remember a partnership in Division One with uh, Dave Watson, who was a similarly aged England international, um, <laughs> and they were, you know, the the pair of them were a bit slow. They they were just solid, old school, solid, and they they did a brilliant job for us, considering we were we were a very attacking team. So they were kind of left isolated a fair a fair amount, and it's he's a he's a player that I I remember very sort of like fondly from my uh, from my early days of watching watching Saints at at, at the Dell, and uh, yeah, so it, it's it, you know I mentioned Dave Watson and, and along with Chris, they you know both been reported to be suffering from Alzheimer's in later years, which is a a real a real shame and a. You know, it obviously blighted the uh, the end of his life, but uh, but yeah, as a, as a player, he did uh, he did a great job for us, and he was one of um, Laurie McMenemy's golden oldie signings that did really really well for us for for that period of time. And as a manager, Tom, that must have been if you're the same sort of age as me, first visit to the Dale, probably sitting in the Junior Saints, and Chris Nichol was, was the manager, and uh, we played some some pretty good football that that got people like you and I hooked on going to the club. Yeah, it was lucky we joined then rather than when uh, Ranford came in afterwards, wasn't it, to replace him in many ways. But you're right, yeah, for a young kid, it was great. You're standing up on the Milton Road end, I think, with the on the, um, the little stool I had then. And yeah, you'd, I mean, the, you had the Wallace brothers ride out, didn't you, sort of, um, and some real characters as well, even people like sort of Neil Ruddock. I remember one of my first games was when he, he scored the penalty. I think we beat Newcastle 1-0 in an awful game, but like a relegation scrap that we came really used to. And yeah, he, he, was, he was obviously, you know, had a, had, had that sort of way of getting a real culture about the place, didn't it? And, you know, it genuinely was a place people kind of often hated to come then, wasn't it, the Dell? So I think um, it must have been a, he must have been a fun manager to play for, I think. And, um, yeah, it's really sad news, I think. And Jeremy Wilson, who, who worked at the Echo for, for a good while and was um, working at the Telegraph, he's done a lot of work on the kind of, you know, how prevalent it is, sort of footballers, particularly centre-halves, as Glenn was saying, sort of suffering with dementia and things. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, Sadly, it seems sort of really, really widespread, doesn't it? But um, yeah, good memories of Chris Nichol for sure. And to be a manager for for six years, Steve, that doesn't happen these days, does it? And he had some players at his disposal back in uh, in the, the sort of the late eighties, early nineties. He did, and he was. We were probably a little bit unlucky that that period was obviously the year 
the years where English football's kind of prior state in in Europe where we were banned from European competition and stuff because you kind of fancy that if if we'd had that kind of um the carrot dangled of being able to play in European competition then maybe we might have in that I think that one the best season under him I think we finished seventh I mean I'm I don't think that would have qualified us that year, but maybe you're you're then pushing a little bit harder at the back end of that season to um, to finish a little bit higher, and then yeah, Europe could have seen them um, seen the attacking talent that we had on uh, on display most weeks. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Nickel was slightly before my my time. My unfortunately, my first game uh, was under Ian Bramford, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was um, I was set up set up a very low bar to, of expectation to begin with. But yeah, certainly beforehand. The nickel years were were interesting from sort of all, all reports and stuff. I mean, obviously, every, everyone refers back to that Liverpool game where we we gave them an absolute hiding at, at the Dell. Uh, four, four one could have been 14 by all accounts. And that was kind of the probably the peak of peak of Saints Saints football through. I mean, obviously, I know we were we were pretty successful in the early '80s in in terms of league positions and stuff, but that was probably probably the peak in terms of an individual match performance. I think there's there's very very few other games that are referenced as much as that um, specific game is um, looking back. So um, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously got a sort of imprint on on the football club and 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 a lasting legacy. And just finally, Glenn, what were the, the standout games for you? I mean, Steve mentioned the Liverpool game, but he, he certainly used to go for it, didn't he? You know, he had the, the the young attacking players, and he wasn't afraid to use them. I mean, that that game you're talking about, and that that season where we finished seventh, that wasn't really the norm until it happened. Because the first sort of three or four seasons he'd been manager, we finished sort of mid-table between twelfth and fourteenth, but had never been really in danger of going down. So, and he had a tough act to follow you know, with Laurent McMenemy having been there so long and he had to regenerate the team and all this sort of stuff. And then we arrived at that particular season and suddenly he had Letitia, Wallace, Shearer all coming through the academy at the same time. And I just remember an interview with him where he, he just said, well, it's against my nature, but I'm going to, we've got all these young attacking players. They're all good enough. So I'm going to play them all. And we we played sort of 4-2-4 and more than one individual game. I, I just remember it was... It was like a throwback to those early '80s sides mm. under under Laurie, where we just went for it, and yeah, we picked up some beatings, but then we we win six three the following week and, and things like that. There was a game against Luton that we won six three that I, I do particularly remember, where I remember Shearer and Rideout scoring two in that game, I think, and you know, might be getting confused with other games. It's a long time ago, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> But, but no, it's just that the, the general feeling around that season was great. And, and the following season, we went, we, we struggled a little bit and he was a bit of a victim of his own success, I think. I think expectations were raised by finishing seventh the previous season and everyone thought all these young players are going to be one year older mm. um, and one year better. But as as quite often happens, second season syndrome sort of sets in a little bit and, and it was it was a little bit a little bit more of a challenge that year. And, um, and of course, we replaced him with Ian Bramford, which was a great decision all round. So, uh, so no, I think, you know, overall, when you, you sit down and uh, look at the overall history of St. Anton Football Club, he's, uh, mm. he's a very important figure, isn't it? Yeah, some wonderful tributes being paid today as well, following the sad news that former player and manager Chris Nicholl has passed away. 
Now, the last time we lost a home game to Millwall was actually at the Dell in 1989. Uh, so it's safe to say we all thought this would be a routine home win at the weekend. I mean, Millwall had lost their last four games, I think. It was a new manager in the dugout. So uh, I'm just going to start with you this week, Steve. What on earth went wrong? Where do we start with that performance at the weekend? <laughs> We just we just fell in fell into all the all the usual traps against um, against a side that came I mean, second half especially. We're quite happy just to stick bodies bodies in the way and and not not leave any, leave any spaces. Um, no interest in getting beyond the halfway line certainly. But I mean, first half I actually thought we played quite well. We opened up the space. We were patient at the right times, and that was that was borne out by how the how the equaliser came about because. There were two or three opportunities for for people to put the ball into the box, but actually that was the wrong move because they had bodies in there. And then as soon as we recycled it back out to Stu Armstrong, then all of a sudden you got Adams in the middle between between two centre backs. He's played a perfect pass in, and, and we got the equaliser. Didn't create too many proper chances, but you could see that we were opening opening them up in in certain areas. And I mean, you could one thing I noticed like literally just before they got the penalty um, to make it 2-1. Their right back tried to basically just lump the ball clear as, as far as he could possibly as far as he could possibly kick it. And that far that distance in terms of as far as he could kick it was about 15 yards. Um because he just looked absolutely exhausted. He looked dead on his feet already. And you're thinking, well okay, well this we just keep going. This is a matter of time. And then all of a sudden they um they switch on a little bit more in, in attack. Um Zian Fleming gets gets into a good position, plays it across. And I mean the handball, I think I mean you've seen them given, you've seen them not. And the problem is that there weren't there weren't too many complaints from uh, no. from Saints players. So it's it's one of those you can't really can't really argue too much about. Um you you you'd certainly want it given your way. Problem I, problem I've got really is the first goal is that I mean you know that the only thing that the main thing that Mill were gonna are gonna bring to the party under Neil Harris, given what we saw from his Gillingham side back in August, is they're gonna put any set piece opportunity they've got, they're gonna lump it into the box and and they've got a massive centre half Cooper who is gonna be is gonna be a massive distraction and a massive threat. And the other centre back, um, Tanganga, who ended up getting the goal, is is big enough as well. And I mean, from where I was in the northern, it looked looked like he'd massively overhit it, hit the free kick, and that Bazuna was just going to come out and was just going to claim it just above his head, and no danger, and we're, we're then on the counter-attack. But I don't know why Bazunu's tried to kind of catch it at chest height, mm. um, sort of with his art, with his hands under the ball, as opposed to uh, as opposed to sort of over the top. And um, yeah, as a result, he that that then basically gives a what gives up the advantage that the keeper has in that he can use his arms. And Tanganga gets up and and gets the header. I do kind of think that someone might have been able to at least try and um, sort of lunge at it while it was sort of looping, sort of in slow motion towards the back of the net. But I mean, five minutes in, you kind of thinking, well, that's annoying. But let's let's see how it goes. And I, I kind of went in at half time. And I thought, well, if we play if we play like that in the second half, then they'll have no energy and, and we will find the gaps. But we didn't, unfortunately. We fell into sort of bad old ways of passing it side to side with no real um, pace or, or sort of plan of how we were going to um, kind of break the lines. And while 
I mean, we've given Russell Martin a lot of praise this season for the way that he's been able to bring substitutes on and they've had an impact. I think, as I, I, think I said um, the other week, we've we've scored 20 goals from, from the bench this season, hmm. um, which is basically a quarter of our goals in all competitions. But unfortunately, the subs had basically no impact or negative impact. Uh, taking Adams off meant that we didn't have the kind of plan A and a half um, option of dinking the ball over the mid over the midfield into his chest to break them, to break any sort of uh, midfield sort of pressing that that Millwall were putting onto us, which wasn't a, wasn't a great deal. But there was there was a little bit of space in there that that we could have worked with. But um, taking Adams out of, out of the team basically removed that op- that as an option. So the only only ways we had was either down the sides or through somebody doing something ridiculous in in sort of postage stamp space in in the middle and they were just crowding us out and mm. yeah it was just so frustrating i mean i know russell martin was wasn't happy with what um sort of millwall's tactics in terms of the physicality and the and the time wasting but at the end of the day that's on the referee the, and it it looked first 10 minutes like he was going to stamp down on it um two bookings early on for them for for fairly late challenges and he thought okay well he's 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 seen what this is gonna what this is gonna be like and he's he's on it already but that was basically the end of it he decided after yeah. that point that that he wasn't wasn't too bothered wasn't going to get involved and of course there was the most predictable thing of of all where the keeper gets booked in the 91st minute where it has absolutely no impact whatsoever so yeah i mean massively frustrating especially on the back of the sort of luck lo- well three of the obviously three of the last four games now we've lost and frankly the the games we've lost we've not really looked like looked like getting out getting anything out of unfortunately mm-hmm. uh bad time to be um to be hitting that little little rough patch yeah we'll get onto that as well in a minute glenn russell martin said afterwards that the tactics weren't the problem but i think we need to talk about the tactics <laughs> because uh we we, we saw the team yeah. news obviously we saw that flynn downs wasn't on the the team sheet um you see that midfield three and you go okay um you know that we might be in with a shout here we should be okay and then we've got jack stevens playing as a hybrid defender slash midfielder carl walker peters on the left and it looked like harbour bellis kind of slotting in at at the right it it, it seemed a bit more complicated than it needed to be to me yes unnecessarily overcomplicated (laughs) was was how i put it at the time and i i standing by that now Absolutely. I mean, we, we went for different tactics against West Brom because, you know, they're a good side and we were away from home and you could see they, they posed a specific threat and we set up our team accordingly, put some bigger players in to cope with the set pieces, blah, blah, blah. And I can understand changing the tactics for West Brom, but this, this was Millwall at mm. home mm. who are relegation fodder. They'll probably still go down. And that sounds like real sour grapes, doesn't it? But I've got no no issue with Millwall. I've got an issue with the fact that we changed our tactics. Now, whether it was the, whether it was something specific that we thought Millwall would do or whether it was just the the Jack Stevens shoehorn coming out again, we've got to get him in the side somewhere. But I was, I was walking across the itching bridge and I was right next to the Samaritan sign again, which is where I always get bad news. And uh, I was, I saw Jack Stevens' name and then you look down, you look down the list and say, and think oh, who's been sacrificed, and I saw it was the, I saw it was the fullback. So I thought it was going to be, you know, the same as um, the same sort of setup as West Brom. But yeah. when um, when the players were lining up, I'm I'm looking at it thinking, hang on, in order to play Stevens, he's 
he's playing. He's now moved two of our best players out of position. So Walker Peters is now on the left. Harwell Bellis is now right back. And then to add even more to that, Stevens plays in midfield, and that's out of position as well. And and that meant that Howard Bellis was coming across when we lost the ball, and we had no one at right back. Occasionally, they drag Smallbone in there, mm. and if they drag Smallbone in there, then you got no one in midfield. So it it just it just seemed like similar to the Leicester game when we tried all the fullbacks in midfield thing and we got absolutely shredded. It just seemed that 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 it just made us very very disjointed. And I think there was an additional problem with with Jack Stevens in midfield as well because Millwall weren't marking him because why why would they? And so he became a magnet for the ball. And so he he kept being the spare man. He kept getting the ball. And the trouble is, then he he, he gets to the yeah. It's okay playing a couple of little ten yard passes or whatever. But sooner or later, you've got to cross it, or you've got to put the ball through, or you've got to do something creative. He can't do it because he's a centre half, and he's it's not his fault. That's just that's just the way it is. So, uh, and I, I I can't help but think it inhibited Joe Rebo as well because you never didn't see him. You know, they, it just seemed to me like there were too, there were too many bodies in there, too many too many cooks stirring the pot. I, you know, I think I think it was a problem. But but there you go with that. That's what we did. I I don't understand why Russell Martin has gone from basically round pegs in round holes. You know, if there's been a like a like for like swap when people have been injured, um, and we don't do it. I mean, we we we're not doing it now. We've discussed Shay Charles. He he seems to have fallen foul of something. He's not picked. We have Will Smallbone playing as the defensive midfielder again, and we didn't have the structure around him to help him out like we did against West Brom. So he was getting pulled all over the place. And and though Millwall only attacked two or three times, it, it just seemed to be very, very disjointed. And and I wonder what the likes of, um, you know, other, other likes of Matt Gill sort of turning around and saying, are you sure this is a good idea? Mm-hmm. I, I, I do wonder that sometimes. You know, like we have when, when Ralph was doing crazy things and Danny Roll had left, we, we were like, who's telling him that this might not be the best idea? We went 25 games undefeated playing a certain way. And now we're, um, you know, we, we seem to be doing something different and we've, we've lost three games in four. So uh, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit mystifying. And throughout the second half, I mean, the Huddersfield game when we were behind, I always felt like we had a chance of scoring and I felt like something was going to happen didn't really feel that at any stage in the second half, even though we had a couple of sort of half chances and we had Adam Armstrong's header at the end, which was, which was probably the best. Mm. I, I didn't really see it coming. And, and as Steve said, the substitutions, I mean, Adam Armstrong got left out because he'd been poor for the last sort of like four or five weeks. So probably lacking a bit of confidence. And then you, you throw him on and, and, and Rothwell, who I still haven't got a clue what that guy's about. Mm. And it, it's like, well, that's that's you know, obviously we had to bring on a dozy early, but you know that that was the the sort of point to change the game on on the hour mark. And I just thought those two just and, t- and taking as Steve said, taking Shay Adams off, mystifying because he was playing well, he'd scored a goal, and you take him off and bring on a player who's struggling for confidence at the moment. And uh, yeah, I just I just found it a bit of a a bit of a mystifying day from uh, from Russell Martin, I have to say. And uh, I think there was a little bit of deflection going on at the, the, the final whistle as well. Um, you know, obviously, as Steve said, obviously unhappy with the Millwall tactics, but not really. And then saying, well, I don't blame the referee. But 
as Steve said, it's about the referee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If the, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure he's frustrated because Ryan Fraser was was obviously taken out by um, I think it's Leonard there right back, who didn't even get booked because it was hot on the heels of a challenge that Tanganka did get booked for. And and Fraser couldn't was obviously totally done in from that, and he um, he struggled on for five minutes and just just couldn't keep going. So uh, so mm. yeah, the refereeing is is a bit of an issue, but I think it was a a bad day all round. And I just I just hope Russell Martin goes back to you know what he talked about in the uh, tactical meeting at the start of the year that myself and Alfie went to, where it, it it was basically about blueprinting about you know if the right back gets injured, we bring in another right back. And round pegs and round holes, because at the moment, we last few games, we've just not been doing that. Mm. We'll get into the individual goals uh, and things in just a moment. Um, Tom, I mean, we had so many positive podcasts and you find yourself making your TSP debut and we're discussing a home <laughs> defeat to Millwall. So um, Alfie <laughs> stitched you right up there. Um, what was your take on the game yesterday? And, and in particular, sort of the, the tactics and that lineup when you saw that that team sheet come through? Because on, on paper, on the face of it, that should have been a pretty convincing home win. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I think yeah, it would have been nice to have been, been selected for one of the other 25 games and uh, have something more positive to talk about than... Um, consecutive home defeats to Hull and Millwall. Not great, but obviously you've watched Saints for a while. These things tend to happen, don't they? I mean, my first thought, I have to say, and I did ask Russell Martin about it straight afterwards, was oh, down still isn't there. You know, and I think it's really easy, isn't it, to say, you know, the players become much better when they're not in the team sometimes. And, you know, it's a system. It's not one player. But, I mean, the, the, the stats speak for themselves in terms of how many goals we're conceding without him there. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I can completely agree with what, what Stephen Glenn have said, really, in, in, in so many different aspects. I mean, Shay Charles, you know, if you forget his age for a moment, we've paid a lot of money for a player at this level who's got real pedigree, clearly. And strangely, I thought, you know, really struggled at Bristol City, as did a lot of them, and then and then played, I thought, very well at West Brom. And then, and then is out of the team again. And, you know, I'm trying not to sort of kind of pile in too much. And, um, yeah, I mean, Alfie put his head above the parapet in the press conference and... Um, yeah, he expected, I think, Martin to be a bit prickly with his question, and he was. So Alfie sort of said, I'm quoting you directly, Martin, sort of looking at his um, his notes saying, you said, I want to leave it more to, to feeling and momentum and not overthink it. And do you think you over overthought it today? And he, um, he said, no, two crap goals. That was it. Nothing to do with where Jack Stevens was playing, the formation, everything like that. So, yeah, he, he was clearly not in, in good spirits. And I suppose, what's the saying, you know, show me a show me a, a good loser and I'll show you a loser or whatever. So there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with emotion, passion. But I mean, he, he actually came in and brought up himself, you know, that he, he'd got in a bit of a, an argument with a supporter, I think, behind him. And I think Martin's view was, you know, just support the team no matter what, you know, have, have a go at me, fine. But yeah, he was, you know, he, 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 was, he, was, he was clearly quite emotional. And yeah, I just, it just feels like the, the balance has gone slightly. It's, it's, it's almost, you know, it's slightly the opposite of the whole game for me, I thought, where I, I really agree with Steve. I actually thought played pretty well in the first half and spoke to Adam Blackmore at Solent in time, and we were saying, you know, how are we possibly sort of losing this game? And it was so dominant. And, and that chap, Glenn mentioned Ryan Leonard, he spoke afterwards and he said, we knew Southampton were a good team, but at halftime, they were sort of, we didn't know they were that good. You know, we, we couldn't get sort of near them. We hardly got a touch, he said. And um which made it sort of inexplicable how flat it was in the second half, really. I mean, yeah, there was a few being I was really pleased to see Arebo starting after he did so well, but I think as Glenn touched on, he didn't he didn't really feature. I don't know if that was more down to him or, or, or where he found himself playing. Um, I think David Brooks as well, flashes, clearly got so much ability and talent, but maybe didn't quite do as much as we hoped. And I absolutely agree with the point about 
Che Adams as well. I, I, I couldn't for the life of me see why he was taken off there. So, yeah, it, it really was a bad day at the office. And, um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, was it five points adrift now, aren't we? I think yeah. if it is the playoffs, which I guess looks most likely, the thing is you want to be going into them with with some momentum. It's probably almost mm-hmm. better to be the team in sixth that just sneaks in with on an incredible run, isn't it, than the one that sort of falls into it out of form. So that that's that's my concern a bit. But do you think he's feeling the pressure though, Tom? Do you think he he's starting to feel the pressure a little bit? Because like you say, the I watched and I listened to to some of the the pre match uh, post match stuff, and he brought up the the argument that he had with the fan. I probably wouldn't have known anything about that had I not seen it. Yeah. I've seen the clip today of him seemingly refusing to shake hands with the Millwall keeper. Whether there's anything in that or not, I don't know. And then he brings up, when you're talking about the, the game, it was the goals, nothing to do with Jack Stevens. Well, hang on a minute. You know, we, we're we not talking about the, the tactics. He He's almost like on the, the front foot a little bit. He seemed, for the first time to me, he seemed a little bit rattled after the game. Yeah, ab- absolutely agree. You know, and um, I think... I think Alfie, I've got to get the impression he sort of sensed that a bit in the last last couple of games as well, really. And I suppose, you know, I suppose he's never been com- competing right up at this end of the of the table as a manager, really, yet has he? And, and maybe that's it. You know, twelve games to go. It's not it's not a lot. And I mean, he did say, you know, he said, I always hold my hands up when I feel I've got something wrong, but it was nothing to do with the tactics. And I guess it is, you know, it is such fine margins, really, isn't it? I mean, the penalty, like Steve said. Could or couldn't be given. I mean, he clearly wasn't going to mention the goalkeeper at all, but quite why, you know, quite why Bazunu sort of didn't deal with a relatively straightforward ball. You know, I don't know. And we could easily be be talking about a very different result. I mean, you know, Rothwell as, as well. I mean, it's, you know, so, so easy, isn't it, to sort of pick everything apart? But you think in the January window, you know, for me, a left-back's been a problem all season. I mean, I think Ryan Manning has had some good games and I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of scapegoating. But as I think as you saw against Hull, if he's exposed... You know, in a one-on-one situation, he absolutely doesn't have the pace, and, and you know that's a real problem. And then we're trying to shoehorn other players in there. You know, McGomer, I think, wasn't wasn't on the bench. He's done quite well when he's he's been in. You know, mm. Larios is is there and back in training. We're here, but you know, obviously with the injury record, can't rely on that. So that to me would have you know that that was a position we needed looking at far more than I guess sort of Rothwell as the the this sort of another eight. And yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly got some ability. He scored two great goals didn't he, against Huddersfield, but I mean that was a you know, that was a sitter he missed yesterday. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he is feeling the pressure. Yeah, to answer, to, to answer your question, definitely. I think he's quite an emotional guy anyway, isn't he? And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll be a hypocrite if I said I didn't I didn't like that when when it's, you know, when, when I see him celebrating with fans after we won the game. But um, you just hope, I think, Glenn, Glenn, I really agree with Glenn, you know, you hope there's people around him. He's mentioned Colin Coldwood a few times, doesn't he? He's a kind of steady older head. You know, you hope that they can just perhaps kind of, you know, keep him keep him sort of level and, and grounded and, and sticking to the things that have served us pretty well so far. Is part something, of go on, go on, something, something Alfie said a couple of times was that Russell Martin finds it really stressful when we have, or really hard work when we have a three game week. So maybe the fact that we've had three or four of those on a spin, basically we've, we've been playing midweek every week for the, I mean, including next week against Liverpool, I think it's four weeks in a row where we've had a midweek game. So maybe it's just he's frazzled and, you know, and that, that explains the sort of prickly demeanour. But uh, but hopefully it, it doesn't explain slightly weird um, team selections. But, uh, I, you know, I, I can't get my head around that. I, I, I still can't. But, uh, but yeah, maybe maybe he's just sort of like feeling the pressure a little bit, like Tom says, of being up the top of the league and having the, you know, we've got to get promoted this year. That's the... Yeah, that's the bottom line for him, isn't it? That's what he was brought in to do, and mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, pr- pressure makes people 
pressure and stress makes people do um, strange things, doesn't it? So, do you think part uh, of the problem, Glenn, though, is that we don't know at the moment what the the best eleven is? And you think back to the, the sort of the start of the winning run. We knew and we knew each week what the the starting eleven was going to be. Now yeah. there's been a couple of injuries. We've had some players that have come in in January. Obviously, the games have been coming thick and fast, so you'd expect a few changes. But I think if we all wrote down our best starting eleven, it would probably be a little bit different. I think the the problem has been is that. I mean, for me, we have three absolutely key players. They're the two centre-halves and Flynn Downs. And losing one of those, you know, Jack Stevens would be fine as a replacement for one of the centre-halves, I'm, mm. I'm sure. Given the run of games there, he'd be fine. But losing Flynn Downs and we haven't, we've, we've tried various things to replace that and we haven't found it. We haven't found it. And we all knew that Flynn Downs was a massively important player for us given the way that we play because you know with we, we, the way we play keeping possession getting players forward we are always going to be liable for the counter-attack and, and Flynn Downs is that insurance policy um because of his his pace and his tenacity the way he gets a, across the park that's the problem we've got is that we've we've lost him I think it I think that's the that's the biggest deal and and, and if he's if he's not fit you know, if there's something we're not being told, apparently he was in training videos and whatnot yeah. before the um, yeah. before the game. So we, you would think he's not far away, but I, you know, I, I just think it's as simple as you you've got to trust the player who naturally plays that position mm. and play him and and not disrupt basically a third of the team just to just to bring in one one certain player. Trust the player who plays the position. I think it's. Playing players in their best position is a vastly underrated thing for a lot of managers. And, uh, I, just, yeah, I just, I just think we have to go back to that, back to basics. Stop trying to overcomplicate things. So, twelve games to go, Steve. Put your Mystic Meg outfit on. You obviously saw the game on Friday night, Leeds and Leicester. I think we all said the worst possible result for us would be a, a Leeds win and, uh, and so it came to pass. So all we needed to do was win and it was okay. Um, obviously Ipswich winning as well. Is is that it for the automatics do you think or are you in the there's still a lot of football to play camp? I mean yeah I mean not necessarily I mean they've got we've got 12 games to go and that's 36 points. That's a lot of points. I mean Leeds might win every single game for the remainder of the year, I don't think they will, but it's it's still up for grabs. I mean, Leicester showed in that last fifteen minutes. As soon as I mean, Le- Leeds never looked like scoring in that second half. Second half until the moment they did. Leicester should have been four should have been four or five nil up, missed a hatful of absolute sitters, and made a bizarre double substitution that made them just just lost all their, killed all their momentum. Mm. Um, Leeds get, get the equaliser out of nothing. And then all of a sudden they sense blood and, and Leicester fell apart. And I mean, there's a chance that Leicester continue to fall apart. So yeah, I, I still think, I still don't think the top two is completely out of reach. It's five points. That's potentially two games. So yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, Leeds have got a couple of, um, couple of lo- away local derbies coming up. Um, and they've got to play Millwall who at home, who I think they've got quite a, bad record against at home so yeah that's that's not out of the question um Ipswich we've seen can have these little runs of being a little bit iffy so yeah maybe maybe they stutter again at some point Leicester have got um obviously we've got to go to Leicester in in what three weeks time hopefully we're back to kind of full full strength by then because I think I mean with with our with our full 
full strength eleven out out on the field. I think we give anybody in this in this division a run for their money. Do you agree, Tom? Um, I've got a message from Chris during the week. He says, uh, can we have a little bit of positivity, please, amongst the inevitable when he was talking about tonight? Is there a bit of positivity? Is it that there's still a lot of football to come? <laughs> yeah, there is. And I think, you know, player for player, I mean, if, well, but as I said, my personal thought was the playoffs, not, not just after this week, but, I, you know, I, I thought probably over the 46 games, we wouldn't have enough for, for to, 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 to be up there with Leicester and, and Leeds, you know, and I'd love to be proven wrong, of course, but... Mm. You know, if it comes down to a one-off game, I think we know there's so much talent in the squad and there's players at the moment who are absolutely not playing probably anywhere near their ceiling. Uh, and, and if we are in the playoffs, I don't, think, I don't think we should really fear anyone in there. You know, I mean, it, it has been a good season overall, isn't it? It's so easy to kind of, I mean, I, mean, um, I think Taylor Howard-Bellis was doing the, the, the sort of player post-match duty yesterday and he kind of said, you know, some of the noise is unbelievable. You'd think we're in a relegation battle or whatever, but... You know, so yeah, we, you have got to keep these things in in perspective. And I've, you know, I think we got, we got players. I mean, it's, it's interesting that on the left side yesterday. So we're just going back a moment. We were talking about that. You know, Walker Peters and Adozi there. I mean, you know, in terms of like individual skill level, they, they were they had far too much for the players they were playing against. I think part of the problem was they were both right-footed players playing on the left, and and things tended to slow down a bit where they had to sort of check back in. So the you know these are. These are all things that can be sorted out. Um, I think, you know, momentum, confidence, all those things matter. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Fraser now, because I think he was like, he was on crutches at the end of the yeah. game. So, um, you know, you hope you hope that's not too long term, because I feel like he's a, he's, a, he's a big player for those moments that we might need now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not probably the first person um, my friends would say you'd come to for optimism when it comes to Saints. So it's, it's a tricky position you, you put me Welcome in. Welcome to um, the podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, Steve Steve has got me feeling a bit better about things. It is only two games potentially. But, yeah, no, there's there's, there's plenty of life left in us yet, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, and yeah, Russell Martin said that as well. This can still be a really memorable season, no doubt, you know, in the eight weeks, whatever we've got left. So, yeah, it's going to be, I think we're going to have to sort of Buckle in for a difficult ride. I don't know if I could cope with the playoffs if we if we are there, but um, we'll deal with that when we come to it. Just get it in the calendar, just in case. The most difficult question of the week has got to be TSP Player of the Week. Um, I guess maybe somebody like Jack Stevens. Glenn, it's another one of those weeks where there isn't really anybody that scores above a five or a six, to be honest, is there? But if we were going to have to put a, a Twitter poll together with a couple of names on it, can we get scratched around and get two, do you think? Well, from, from yesterday's game, basically. Yeah. Jay Adams. Yep. Jay Adams, I thought, played pretty well. I'm just uh, Stuart Armstrong had a good game as well. He he looked it was a totally different player to what played against Hull. He looked much more interested. He he like beat three players down the wing in the opening thirty seconds of the game. And that was more than he did in the entire game against Hull. So I'd say I'd say he was okay. Yeah, def- defenders were all a bit at the end of the day, we let in two goals against Millwall. So yeah. you, you can't really um, look too much at the defenders. So I'd say, yeah, Che Adams, Stuart Armstrong. No one really made an impression off the bench, as Steve said. So, yeah, those two. Yeah. Strange, wasn't it? It was the first week you look at the bench and go, there's not really much there. Steve, any uh, shouts for player of the week? Not sure I can advance any more any more <laughs> suggestions, to be honest. It was, it was weird, especially as, I mean, kind of as I say, I thought we, I thought we were decent first half. But the problem is that that second half was just so lethargic that it's kind of blown away any potential goodwill I had in me. Yeah, I mean, Adams, 
uh, Stu Armstrong, yeah, struggling. Uh, Adozi was bright first half, I thought, in fairness. And second half, he was kind of the only one that was still looking to at least take on the fullback, even if he uh, didn't get didn't get round him that often. He obviously got shunted across to the right um, instead of his what seems to be his favourite left side yeah. to allow Sulemana to to slot in there. But um, yeah, he was he was okay, I guess. Anyone we missed, Tom? I don't think so. No, it's slim pickings this week, isn't it? It's tricky. I mean, I think you know, strangely, I actually thought the defenders were sort of okay mostly. I mean, they didn't have much to defend against because Millwall hardly crossed the halfway line. Um, I guess you, you sort of think not because of the penalty, but I thought I thought Bednarak was okay. But yeah, I mean, the attacking players really were disappointing. I think other other than perhaps Adams for me. So I guess I'd, I'd probably be inclined to to go with him. All right, we'll add him to the list and uh, and we'll get that poll up on uh, on social media. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Saints are back in action with a visit to Liverpool in the FA Cup fifth round on <laughs> Wednesday night. Um, positives, Glenn. I mean, they had to play 120 minutes of football today. Uh, and also, they've already got a trophy. So maybe their eye will be off the ball on Wednesday. I'm, I can't help but feel that... This is going to be a pretty low priority game for them in the context mm. of their season. Stuttering championship side at home in the FA Cup. So obviously their young players are very good. As as you know, we saw five of them get on the pitch today. I think quite a number of them will be playing on uh, Wednesday. I don't see I mean, I think they lost they lost another sort of senior player to injury today. Graven Birch went off after twenty minutes or whatever. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool approach it. And it'll be interesting to see what we do, obviously, because you know, do we do we see this as a a chance to get things going again and put in a really good performance against against Liverpool in this game, or are we going to treat it like teams tend to treat cut games this, these days and uh, field a sort of half and half team? But uh, I mean, I'd I'd like to think we'd go we'd go fairly strong and and we'll have a we'll have a decent shout. I think I think there's more of an incentive to put a stronger team now that we've actually lost a couple in the league in a, in a strange sort of way because there's some, uh, you know, we've got to get some momentum back somewhere. So we might as well go for it in this in this particular game. It, it will be difficult playing at Anfield, of course, is, is, is tough. They'll be in party mood because they've just won a trophy, even if it is one of the smaller ones, as mm-hmm. far as they're concerned. We'd kill for it, of course. But um, but yeah, and they, they've got lots of, you know, lots of injuries and they've got more important games to come. I mean, it would be the the story of all stories if, um, if you know Klopp's last game is winning the um, is winning the Premier League. So, uh, mm-hmm. in a funny sort of way, I've actually I'm never liked the guy particularly. I've I've actually warmed to him a little bit this year because we well, now you know that he's Premier going. League. Oh right, yeah. Well, now the now I know that he's going. I just sort of kind of think that you know <laughs> what what he's competing with. You know Manchester City and their 115 
charges and mm. the nation state behind them and all that. You, I think you've got to have a bit of respect for the guy, even though he can be a bit of a burke at times. So, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, funnily enough, I'm actually looking forward to the game more now than I was when the, when really? the draw when the draw was made. Yeah, because it's it's a free hit as long as we go and give a good account for ourselves. But but if we turn up to this game with no sort of defensive midfield strategy like mm. we've had the last few games we're going to, they're going to go in dry and we're going to be walking like we've been sat on a horse for two days after that it's just going to be awful so we have to we have to take it seriously and um and and, and play it properly and it's it's an interesting sort of test i mean should should we get promoted which okay is a bit is a bit further away than it was a few weeks ago mm. How are we going to set up against these teams? You know, you, you you can't you can't just you know play the ball around constantly and and you know we're not we're not going to have a hundred or ninety percent possession or whatever. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how we how we cope with that. In fact, I think it'll it'll probably suit us better not having as much possession in this particular game because we'll have to be solid and uh, and then you know we we can play on the break so yeah free hit bring it on and if we get an ammo don't turn the tv off simple as that <laughs> if you go back to post watford tom we were talking about it as actually you know russell martin will be relishing this because it's an opportunity to pitch himself and play against you know one of the top teams in europe and, and that's kind of what you do the job for Saturday after the Millwall game, he was kind of admitting that this is a bit of a distraction that he could do without at the moment. So it's where do you see it? How would you approach this one on, on Wednesday night? Yeah, he did say that, didn't he? That we can we can do without it, to be honest. And then I think he sort of remembered, oh, but isn't it great that we got five thousand pounds going up there and we you know, so um I think he just sort of remembered. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't have high hopes. I mean, I did ask him directly about downs and I took his answer to mean, yeah, he's really close, he's ready, but you know, he may not bother risking him for Liverpool. So I, w- I certainly wouldn't expect him to start and then maybe he'd be back for Birmingham. It's interesting, but it's so hard to know what, what sort of team either side will put out. I, w- I would think they'll have too much for us. Um, he's only got really kind of one style of playing, Russell Martin, hasn't he? Um, and, you know, you would think that Liverpool's sort of whoever they put out, you know, physicality, pace you know, will, will probably cause us big problems. So, I mean, I can see us, I can see us scoring, I think, but unfortunately I can certainly see them scoring as well. So it's difficult. I, I sort of agree with Glenn though, that it's become, it's become sort of more important since the draw was made in a way, because, you know, when can statistics, you know, four and five, if we lose this and, you know, mm. things are starting to look a bit down, aren't they? So, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be watching it. I'll certainly be interested and I'll be um, cheering very loudly if we're, if we're still in the, in the cup, but, being brutally honest, I don't expect us to be. Steve, they've got a few injuries. I think uh, Klopp said after the game today, said we don't have a team for Wednesday, um, which is obviously him making excuses already. But they're, they're, they're struggling a bit, aren't they? So um, their squad is so young at the moment, they might struggle on a school night. But um, I don't think we don't go there and make nine changes again, do we? Uh, oh, God, no. But I mean, Liverpool and all the big clubs whinging about uh, players getting injured. I mean, this is this is what you wanted, lads. This is what you, you wanted. Um, all these you you want the extra games in the Champions League. Well, I mean, in order to get those, you have to play league games. Where's the space in the in the calendar? If you're, I mean, you've they've now got eight eight Champions League games coming in from next season. So how's that how's that going to work on the players' bodies? They're gonna, they're going to be dead. It's it's ridiculous and. You can't kind of give with sort of give out with one hand in terms of mo- complaining about these these sort of fixture pileups, 
while simultaneously a being a successful team um who win who win stuff on a fairly regular basis um and also taking the the money and the riches that come from it in terms of the tv deals because i mean if, yeah sure if you want if you only want to play 25 games a season and the players to be in absolutely peak physical condition every time fine but you're not getting um you're not getting this uh, 5 billion pound tv deal every year so mm. yeah sorry you can't um one doesn't exist without the other um so just got man manage your squad better and don't don't bring players back before they're before they're ready i mean seeing when you look at chelsea I and mean, chelsea obviously got a stupid size squad and they're continually getting loads of players injured like reese james prime prime example they always rush him rush him back early and then act surprised when his hamstring goes again um it's just ludicrous um the way that the way that the players are being managed at these top clubs because they've just got so many games and they they don't feel that they can seemingly trust certain players in their positions which mm. kind of just speaks speaks volumes for their recruitment really I mean, it's interesting watching the cup final today actually where i mean you basically had extra time where it was van dyke and liverpool's under 14s yeah and deservedly won because i mean i think i think i heard in the apparently pochettino has said in one of his post-match interviews that basically we had a chap the players and they wanted to play for penalties i mean <laughs> I, I mean at a, at a club that in the last 20 years has won must have won more trophies than than any other any other english club mm-hmm. and yet that that is the prevailing attitude from that from should both be players sack, and management that should That's be a, should be a sack, in a, sack in a fence on its own that should yeah be. i i yeah i would i wouldn't disagree with that yeah. liverpool certainly obviously have a have a very different approach to it mm. um but i mean you you look i mean you look at the bench that liverpool named today there was basically two senior players and a load of players with squad numbers above 50 and I would be quite surprised if the the side that starts at Anfield on Wednesday isn't pretty young, pretty green. Whether whether or not we can take advantage of that in terms of their sort of experience at, at the level or, or not, I don't know. I mean, as I say, they they all look they all look pretty comfortable out there on the Wembley Wembley turf this afternoon. Yeah, so sure. um, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, doesn't doesn't take. Uh, doesn't take a sort of expert to say it's it's not going to be an easy game for us, but I mean it's it's a one-off, and you and you never quite know. I I I'd like to think we'll go in full strength just to just kind of because we I feel we should. But on the flip side, it's clearly clearly obviously more important that we um, get back on get back on our sort of feet in the league. Mm-hmm. But then could a could a performance in the cup? be the springboard to do that i mean take sending sending the reserves out to get battered five nil isn't going to help anybody i don't think no and as, as glenn says it's you know it's a free hit isn't it uh five thousand saints fans traveling up um it's going to be a great atmosphere they need to put a shift in um i think what we're saying is we've got a chance so you can't ask more than that really at the weekend it's back to league action with a trip to birmingham a chance to get back to winning ways well i mean that is the big question birmingham uh, another team that have been struggling, Glenn. We said that about Millwall, and that was uh, yep. an interesting one. Uh, Mark Venus looks like staying in charge. Obviously, Tony Mowbray recovering from from an illness. They gave Ipswich a good game, but they've only won, I think, uh, is it one in their last 10 games or something like that? They've been struggling anyway. So um, your thoughts on this one on Saturday? A, a good chance for us to, to get back to winning ways? Yeah, it is, but we've got to do it properly. I mean, there can be no... There can be no room for complacency after, you know, we're 
our sort of aura of invincibility, if you like, has um, has disappeared somewhat in the last few weeks. So, so Birmingham will think they'll have a chance at home against us, whereas they maybe wouldn't have done a few weeks ago. So, uh, and to be honest, they need the points because they're heading very swiftly to where Wayne Rooney was going to take them um, <laughs> towards towards the bottom three. So. Uh, they um, they will need a result in the same way that Millwall needed a result. So I think this is a tough game. Mark Venus will be trying to put his stamp on things. I mean, he's you know get well soon. Tony Mowbray um, mm. seems like a he's always been a, a genuinely good guy. Mark Venus will have got the job. He probably wouldn't have wanted the job. He's it's been dumped on him essentially in um, in strange circumstances. So he will be wanting to do the best for um, for for Tony Mowbray. So hopefully he comes back and takes over with the club in a in a healthier place. So I I think it'll be a difficult game. Um, you know, last time we played them, we got a bit fortunate. We had an offside goal and mm. we should have given a penalty away when Bazunu did what he did uh, yesterday, oddly enough, and uh, came a, came out a little bit late and um, flattened the player. So, uh, yeah, they've won the last two home games as well, Birmingham. That's right, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not... It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a gimme, that's for sure. And we have to go out there, start well, and um, and and not give them anything. You know, not not give away a stupid goal. I mean, one thing Russell Martin and I 100 percent agree with with the weekend is is that we've now started conceding the first goal. Whereas during the during the 25 game run, more often than not, we scored the first goal. But ever since that Huddersfield game, which should have been the wake up call, I know West Brom we played well. But we, you know we've we've been letting in the first goal and then and then struggling. So mm. you know we need to get back to that. So a nice positive start. Hopefully the Liverpool game doesn't take you know doesn't take too much out of us in that we don't get any injuries and stuff like that. And we can uh, uh, hopefully have Flynn Downs back. He won't play against Liverpool, by the way. We can hopefully have him back for the Birmingham game and um, and get get back to the team that we know we can be. Tom, it was 3-1 at St Mary's uh, back in the day when they were known as Wayne Rooney's Birmingham. Going to be a, a difficult game, a different game, I'm sure, at the weekend. But Leeds, Leicester, Ipswich, us, we've all put three past them at some point. So it's going to be a, a tough game, but we, we've got to win this one, surely. Yeah, I think so. I do I do feel fairly confident for this one. I mean, I'm sure they're going through the, the clips of, you know, the various goals we've conceded in the last three or four weeks. And, you know, they'll, they'll get belief from that Birmingham for sure. And... And we'll certainly think, you know, that if they can get at us quickly and, you know, um, I mean, I, I, Neil Harris said, you know, we really want to put pressure on the goalkeeper yesterday, you know, when they try and play out from the back. And, I, I you know, it wouldn't be surprised surprise me if we see a sort of, you know, come then flying out the traps in a, a very high press. But I think, you know, we are, we are best, we've got better players than they have. There's no doubt about that. And I think they've just got to believe that, you know, that, that, that what they've done so far on the balance of probability will be good enough. You know, I mean, I think, for as long as I can remember, we've never really been a, a club who, no matter who's playing or who the manager is, that, that respond very well to sort of adversity in game. You know, and I, I thought we'd sort of got round that a bit with the amount of late goals that, we, that we'd scored, and, and that's perhaps the most eye-opening thing for me about about yesterday again was that we, we almost mm. seemed to get sort of worse as the game went on, and that, you know we haven't really seen that. So, you know, I think yeah, it's, it's particularly with Downs back in there. Um, and that spine sort of back together. And I hope he sticks with with Adams as well through the middle. I think you know it, it, it will come good again. They've just got to sort of keep the faith a little bit now, and it's, that's that's what this sort of run is testing in all of us, really, isn't it? You know, we've got players that other teams would absolutely love to have playing for them, and, and for the most part, have been fairly consistent and good this year. So 
yeah, I think I think we'll we'll win at Birmingham. I don't think they're great. My dad's a Birmingham City fan, so um, <laughs> certainly hope so. But um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's just it's just sort of time for everyone to take a breath. I think, isn't it? Um, you know, what happens in midweek? Who knows? We I really I really think that's a tough one to call in terms of you know scoreline and everything like that and how we might approach it, but. I think, yeah, every reason to be confident going up to St Andrews at the weekend. Definitely. Do you think it helps, Tom, being away from home as well? Just with maybe the pressure off a little bit, just sort of reflecting back on on Russell Martin and the post match stuff that he was he was talking about. And do you think it would just be good to get away and uh, and be away from St Mary's? And actually, if we do concede the first goal, we've still got time, and you know the away fans will be behind them. Yeah, I think that's a really really good point, Martin. I, I do think so, and I think you know I thought the crowd were and the atmosphere generally was pretty poor in that whole game and you could you know you could argue that this, maybe the, the, the team didn't give the supporters a lot and actually thought I thought the atmosphere was was a lot better yesterday and and, and fans generally did sort of um stick, stick with the team a lot more and you know obviously away from home that's that's always the case you know brilliant brilliant support and I'm not sure if the away end is, is sold out I imagine it almost certainly will be so yeah I do think that that perhaps can help at the moment I mean people always point at our record away at the top sides in this league not being particularly good don't they um and you know that's obviously going to be tested in the in playing the, the three above us um in the coming weeks but yeah as I say we've got we've seen games this this season plenty of them where we've just had far too much quality for the opposition and you know nine times out of ten as long as you don't do something too uh maverick with you know maybe sort of Stevens playing in the 10 role or something next week then uh, you know we we should be okay I think but I think that is a good point you know we did, in that run of four defeats earlier in the season there was some it was really starting to sour a little bit in those home games, the atmosphere, wasn't it? And it was, I suppose it was early enough in the season that we'd seen all the absolute kind of rubbish that had gone on for the seasons before it as well. Um, so, you know, he has got some credit in the bank, Martin, um, absolutely, I think, and, and and the players as well. So, yeah, you know, I'd, we were never going to, I don't think, go unbeaten for the, the rest of the season, unfortunately. So, no, you know, it's not, no. it's not a disaster. We can get back on track and the perfect game to do it, I think. They've had some good results, Steve Birmingham. They've ground out some good results. They've had some bad defeats as well. It's a bit unpredictable, this one. Yeah, they're a funny old side. And ultimately, with obviously Tony Mowbray stepping back for the rest of the season and Mark Venus taking his place, it's difficult to know whether it's a case of whether Venus is offering continuity or whether he's got his own different ideas. Hmm. Ipswich obviously ground them down in the end at Portman Road yesterday. But it sound it kind of sounded like Ipswich were largely in control for um, for the vast majority of that game, and the equaliser on half time came sort of massively against the run of play. So I do kind of think that at the end of the day they're still in still in that league position for a very good reason, and hovering. I mean, what are they three po- um, three points above the bottom three? It's I mean it's very tight down there, but there's there's a lot of teams that frankly just aren't very good, mm-hmm. and we've got to kind of put yesterday's uh, yesterday's events out of sort of out of the mind very quickly. And Saturday's a whole, a whole new one where diff- where events are hopefully going to be very different. Yeah. Get back to, get back to playing how we're a bit more comfortable playing Birmingham as the home team, maybe a bit more adventurous, which, which you would think gives us a little bit more space to operate in. Um, it's not going to be um, Birmingham sticking um, ten men behind the ball with um, with one lump up front to kind of hold hold things up. It's I think they'll they'll play a fairly normal sort of system for for a side playing at home. They've they've got some good they've got some good players. It's not it's not like I mean they're not Rotherham that's for sure. 
Yeah. So they're they're not they're not going to go into a home game playing ultra defensive. I think they'll they'll want to they'll I mean they'll have they'll have watched yesterday's game and see oh okay maybe Southampton are are kind of ripe for um for the taking for for one of us um sort of weaker sides and hopefully that that as I say that plays into um plays into our hands a, a little bit. Trevor said this week, at least in the past two matches, we've discovered our main problem. We struggle against teams who press us and we struggle against teams who don't press us. Against teams who neither press or don't press, we should be fine. So <laughs> we'll take that into Saturday. Um, I just want to do some score predictions. Uh, I must just say, Tom, four pods in a row where no one has got a single point in the predictions league that we do. So you're playing on behalf of Alfie today. I would normally say as well, this is a safe space where we can just say what we think the score is going to be and it's never going to come back to haunt us um, or although that wasn't the case after the Millwall predictions. Unfortunately, we got that so horrendously wrong. Um, so have a little think. Steve, I'm going to come to you first. Score prediction for the, the Birmingham game, please. Yeah, I, th- I think, as I say, it's not, not going to be an easy one, but I think we'll, uh, I think we'll do enough. 2-1 uh, win. 2-1 win. Glenn's just folded his arms and rolled back in his chair. <laughs> what are you thinking, Glenn? Uh, it's remarkable. Steve always says the same. Thing that I'm about to say. Can you come to me first next time? You think too long this time, just getting boring, and then I have to change, and then we're both wrong anyway, so it wouldn't matter. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, I, I was going to say two one, but I'll be a, a tiny little bit more optimistic and and go for two now. I don't think it'll be particularly free flowing or exciting or anything like that, but I think we'll we'll do enough to get the job done, and hopefully, um, I I live in hope that we'll we'll set up. The, the way that we've set up all the way through the 25 game unbeaten run please and um and and get the job done so yeah two now okay tom well well i thought as the uh, as the guest i was going to be given the privilege of going first but um and i genuinely was going to say say two nil glenn um but i don't want to do alfie any favors anyway so um it doesn't matter too much does it i think yeah i'm feeling confident wasn't feeling necessarily this confident but why not three nil i think Okay, I, th- I think I'll take the draw, to be honest, just to be different. I'll take the one. Or if you're watching the live stream on uh, Sunday evening, do put your score predictions in the uh, in the comments section so we can see those. Uh, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on all the social media platforms. Just have a search for at Total Saints Pod. It is great when we hear from you throughout the week. So you can drop us a DM um, on any of the socials or you can email us via the website if you have something to share. And as I mentioned at the start, do check out the merch store which is shop.totalsaints.co.uk. Loads of new items have been added to there this week. Uh, You'll also find us on Patreon. That's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast. There's four tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And each of the tiers comes with its own perks, including some weekly shout outs for the patrons in our Francis Benali or our Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin for James Harron, Nikki Nicholson, Southampton NY, Drew Dyer, James Kibbe and Mike E in the Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrop, Matt Hall and Mark Littlewood in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you to Tom as well for stepping in tonight. Thank you for watching and listening. And we will see you again next Sunday evening at 7.15 for the live stream. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.